Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. KP uh, started this locker room room uh, before my co-host had a chance to join. So uh, welcome. We're glad to have you here. This is new for all of us. Uh, uh, Here's Andrew. All right. If anyone joins this, uh, it would be very sad for them. Andrew, I've already put out your social security number in the 30 seconds I had before you joined. So, uh, hope you enjoy not having a house. Oh, well, joke's on you. I don't have a house right now, bitch. God damn it. <laughs> don't you love being a millennial? I do. I do. So, what are we chatting about? I don't, when was the last time we recorded? I have a few, I have a few show notes as the host of this illustrious podcast. You know, I stay you, strapped. Um, if you want to send those to me so I have uh, remotely any idea what's going on. I don't know if I've paid attention to college football within the last, I don't know, two months. This bit is becoming more and more troubling every <laughs> every single time. Yeah, no, the, yeah, no it's, not really bit, it's not really a bit anymore. I don't even know I've paid attention to college football. Um, Andrew, oh, my I just Amazon package you. delivered. I just emailed um, you the show notes. How dare you order from Amazon at a time like this? I know. They, I, I, I needed something quickly. I so needed is, something is, very quickly. So um, this is – I don't think anyone's in the room just yet. Um, so we're just kind of hanging out, chilling. Um, it's just me and you. We're vibing. Did you, do the, the, did you do the export to whatchamacallit? I'll, I'm tweeting oh. out the link to the room right now as we speak. Because it is are, before are, 8 p.m. Central. Are we recording this? We are recording this. Oh, hold on. I'll tweet. I'll tweet it out to my illustrious followers. Um, it really is funny the way that Twitter operates for me now because the only people that still follow me are by mistake because the only people that ever followed me were when I was a uh, very, very bad Georgia football reporter. 
And so now I think it's people that followed me for that and are slowly unfollowing as they figure out that I do nothing uh, except complain about Georgia football. I give no informative uh, takes or anything coherent, uh, and they hate my politics. And so it really is just a race to see if we can get to zero, and uh, KP might be the last one uh, hanging on. Oh, yeah. I um, I don't know what happened. I've Look, I, I did delete my old Twitter account, which – I think I was at like 12 or 1300 followers um, because it's like, you know what? I'm like entering the professional world. So maybe I got to clean this up. There are too many questionable tweets in the past on this account. So I'm nuking it. And now we've just, um, we're back in the same boat. Yo, we've got our first ever guest. Shout out to our boy, Ross Mulcairn. Ross is one of the day ones, one of the OGs of this entire operation back when we were called that other thing that we can't say, shout out to Dak Shepard. Um, what's up, Ross? How's it going? Legally not allowed. Yeah. Uh, let's see how, oh, no, we're going to test some things out, like how this app works. Uh, KP, well, I guess you have all hosting privileges. Uh, can you can you invite Ross in? Does he have to? Ross is uh, in the room. He's listening to us right well, now. No, he, he can jump in on the speaking. Oh, do you want to invite him to speak? Ross, you got to request to speak first before. Well, hold on. I think I you let can, you in. I think you can dub him a speaker. I think you can like oh. hold. See if you can. I don't know. I should I know just this. Said, hey. Hello? Hey, Hello? Ross. Ross is here. What's up? What's going on, fam? You know, uh, living the dream. How about you? No, can't complain. Just sitting here in my room, which is also my office, which is also where I sleep every night. Um, nice. Working hard on banjo college football. Wait, I KP. Just, I just walked from my room to my office. It was about a foot and a half. KP, the last time that I was in Austin with you, uh, they were constructing some uh, monolith, and they were going up floor by floor, blocking your vision of anything around you. Have Have they successfully... Uh, made it to uh, above your eye level now. Oh, 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 absolutely! I tell people I used to have the best view in Austin um, from my bedroom, and then they slowly and slowly keep building the um, basically what's going to be a hotel Airbnb, which is just a hotel I would assume with less amenities. Uh, I was going to say an Airbnb is just a hotel. That's not a hotel. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on there, but it's Austin, so it's just, it's becoming San Francisco South. So moved here at the absolute worst time, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I get to see um, a large building blocking my view of I-35. Well, KP, if it makes you feel any better, my view overlooks a construction site that, based on the size of the crane, uh, pretty sure will fully block my view when it's done. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's, you know, Wait, we, but, you know we, we my, love the millennialized. My view is not of a highway. It's of an alleyway and an oyster bar. So, you know. Oyster bars are I loved the idea of the oyster bar until I went yesterday for their happy hour. And at 530, they told me there was a two-hour wait for a table. No. That's a good problem to have, man. No, thank you. Angie, Wait, what, what's up, KP? When was the last time you had some good oysters, man? I, I do miss being oh, so very, close to good seafood. Very recently, actually. Where did I have? We went. Oh, when we went. When we went with. Uh, we went to dinner with uh, esteemed Kavakai, former head coach, or oh, uh, um, not head coach, uh, Anthony Zayu. 
Oh, yeah. Famous not Catholic high head coach, which is a famous story for another day. Y'all see who um, else just tuned I, in? Who else just tuned in? Our, one, one Rippy. Ari Leshy is co-host. Our esteemed. Let's. Make him a speaker. Says my signal is weak. Oh, I just Don't got an invitation to speak. There you hey. go. You're speaking. Nice. To who? Us. The people on vibing. your screen. <laughs> yeah, we're just, you know, we're just vibing. You know how we do? Yeah, I got that part. Are we speaking to anybody else? Well, it's your well, co-hosts and, and noted friend of the pod, me. Nice. <laughs> and no, What's up, um, guys? Nothing much. We are going to uh, basically just uh, have this function as the podcast because I mean, we're, I mean, impeccably lazy people. And if anyone else wants to jump in and listen to us record the podcast, they're more than welcome to. Yeah. So um, we tell them about the tide. I don't want to talk about the tide. We can, I'm, I'm, we, we're not talking about the only the only tide that I have in the show notes is basically that we are pro-union in Bessemer, Alabama. That's the most pro-Tide stuff we're having here. Absolutely. That is, he, very, that is very And pro- the Ooh, two big Actually, I've thrown, I've, thrown my, I've thrown my Amazon package trash. Andrew, buddy, you're sounding like uh, T-94 over there. What's, uh, dude, what's wrong with your connection, man? Uh, Sounds like he's recording on a TI-84. Oh, no. Hey. Hey. We'll see. Hold on. Give me yeah. a second. I have I have a marginally college football related question for our uh, my esteemed uh, hosts. What's up, man? If the uh, I think it's the Chiefs that put it forward. If this rule change about numbers goes through, how do you feel about players who like just got to the league changing their number to their old college number? Oh, I feel like it has to be it has to be sort of like it is in college, right? Like the seniors or the veterans get um first dibs, you know. I'm sure 3 will be very popular, but if Odell Beckham wants 3 on the Browns, he's getting 3. I don't care if you wore it in college last year, you know. Yeah. No, I was I wonder if there's a power ranking on who gets the new ones, and I was also like the biggest thing for me is that, you know, if you've been around a while, and this opportunity presents itself, it can be fun. Um, I was just curious, like, what do you think would be more appropriate? A guy who's been out of college for, like, 10 years making the switch because he's always wanted it, but he couldn't have the chance, or a guy who sort of was, the like, your first-round draft pick last year, so all your fans bought his jersey, but he only wore the number for one year, and now he's trying to switch again? Uh, the former, for sure. Uh, you you got to resp- – if a guy's been in your organization for 10 years – you can't just say fuck him, right? Like you, can't, <laughs> he's doing something right. Like no, just that. I'm trying to think of a good example right now. Like our boy. Uh, well, I guess Vaughn wore 40 in college, so that's not the best example because he can well, wear 40 now if he wants. Uh, I don't KP, think he can. KP, you know what's going to be fun is uh, num- number six just opened up for the New Orleans Saints because we sent Thomas Morstead out to pasture. So now, now AK can reclaim it. Oh, that's going to be great. Thomas Morstead was just the best punter in league history until he wasn't. And it's like, oh, bye. <laughs> yeah. I got a phone call as the number conversation was happening. And the only thing I was going to add is if that 
if Odell wants number three from whoever wears number three on the Browns, couldn't the current guy that wears number three just offer to take a dump on his chest and call it even? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that probably would be, point. be fair payment. Not, I not that the Banjo College Football Podcast would ever slut shame. Well, there was no, – Or Kate Odell likes what he likes. Well, there was there was that, and then there was the one there the pizza and the cocaine and the stripper in the hotel. I felt like he went on a real run of just being the coolest guy on earth for for a summer. I don't remember that second story, Andrew. So I think you're just describing like your ideal weekend. I yeah, mean, I was that, say, I, the, the, <laughs> the demographic of dudes that like pizza, cocaine, and sex is probably slightly larger than uh, than the steamer on the chest. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's possible. Can't say for but, sure, but it's possible. We'll have to crunch you, the numbers. You find a girl that'll do both, and you got a wife right there. So, wor- uh, world, welcome to the world's most ethical college football podcast. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by my crooked assistant athletic directors, Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. <laughs> Folks, how are we? You know. Uh, just definitely being normal and staying normal, staying sane. Um, I'm officially, I'm officially one month post faxed. So I've been, been licking light poles. I've been licking old. Damn, you're street legal. I know. I've been licking all sorts of things. Man, that's, that's huge. That's just so big. I get my second dose in eight days. Pretty excited, uh, to just lick every single floor on rainy street, um, in a few weeks. Very hyped for that. I am still on. I have not gotten vaccinated yet, but with the way Texas is uh, rolling, honestly, it's just kind of sheer laziness. I like to be two weeks later than the normal crowd. You know, the functioning members of society get their vaccine. I like to be two weeks behind. It's where you have that week is like, is this kid an anti-vaxxer? No, I'm just late to the party. I do have an interesting story on this, though. My brother is a first-year medical school student at uh, University of Mississippi. And they make the first years help conduct the hospital surveys, right? Mm -hmm. So he was telling me over the weekend, I went back home for Easter, and I was talking about like, yeah, I need to get it together. I need to just go do a vaccination appointment and get this out of the way. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he was like, you're not going to believe this. So they make me conduct these surveys. And I don't think you would mind me saying this because I want to have it said his name. And too, like, I don't know. If anyone from UMC is listening to this, kick rocks. He said that – the when they conduct the survey about the vaccine, that the number one most popular reason for uh, not like saying no, I'm not going to get it is one, I already have it, makes sense. Two, I recently had COVID. Apparently, there's some pretty concrete science out there. If you've had COVID within like a week or two, uh, you shouldn't go get the vaccine immediately. Okay, whatever. Not a doctor makes sense. The third most popular response over thousands of participants is. I don't want a microchip in me. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These well, people carry it on iPhones, and this is their response. As a vaccine recipient, let me tell you about how useful and wonderful Microsoft Teams is. I <laughs> cannot speak highly enough about the functionality of OneDrive and being able to use it with the other members of my organization. It is truly just next level. It brings next level efficiency and organization to all of our work products, it's just the best. Do you know what? Speaking of Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Teams, I have uh, I have hired a web developer to uh, on our new Sports Drink website to uh, custom 
uh, set up, I don't know, whatever DNS we need because I absolutely refuse to use Outlook or any Microsoft. I don't know if that is just a personal thing there, but I really, really, if, if you were operating, if you don't at least have a Gmail in the year 2021, I don't 100% trust you. Yeah, uh, I've been pretty pro Gmail for over a decade now, um, and I've always preferred it to Outlook. Outlook was forced on me when I took this job, but Oh my God, you talk about just not being user-friendly. It's like, we joke about the Microsoft family of products a lot, and I am a big fan as a half-vaccinated young man. Um, but Outlook is just, but why? Why do you make the choice? Why do you make the choice? steaming hot booty. <laughs> I, uh, like I every other at... job I've had used Google, and now I'm on Microsoft, and Outlook is X. The only the only job I've ever worked um, that I had to use Outlook uh, was a local brewery, and it failed once the pandemic hit. So I don't want to say that those two are correlated, but uh, R.I.P. Southern Craft. Miss you, Southern Craft. All right, so uh, well, uh, we. So speaking, so speaking of us being the world's most ethical college football podcast. I wanted to briefly hit on this. As we know, Major League Baseball recently moved uh, the All-Star Game and All-Star festivities from Atlanta, Georgia to Denver, Colorado, in part or really mainly because of the new Georgia laws that um, Governor Kirby Smart um, just signed into law last week. Folks, what is what are the chances of the SEC championship game being moved to New Orleans or Nashville or something of the sort because of this same law? If the SEC championship game is played in New Orleans, I may never wear pants again. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, I can't wait for you to watch uh, Auburn play against Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have to defer to two of the, the people on here, but I can't speak exactly to the current state of Louisiana voting. But, I mean, with John Bell Edwards, there's got to be a chance, right? Because the biggest argument against it is that anywhere you would move it within the SEC footprint, as if you're doing like opposed to the voting law, is you're not going to get anywhere with a better voting law. Yeah, and I don't well, even I don't even necessarily trust our track record on these type of things, but I will be a shameless advocate for this move. Andrew, is is Louisiana the most progressive state in the SEC? I mean, like if you if Missouri you just, elected Josh Hawley, so it can't be them. They, I mean, like I mean, I don't want to look at our senators as any reflection of our state, but I will. I will say that I do think there is a uh, a whole lot, um, a whole lot of voter disenfranchising going on down here. Um, and so, if you actually look at demographics, that you you could make the argument that this is one of the most progressive states in the actual deep south. But I don't know if it's actually progressive enough to actually uh, overturn this. And also. It is Major League Baseball, which I feel like you have uh, a much larger national and international pull, not SEC football, where most people are like in agreement with the law that is being passed. So um, yeah. I, I, Kirby, think, man. I think Greg, I think Greg Sankey would be scared of walking to his work if he moved to this game. I uh, that was kind of the take I was going with on this as well. Look, wherever you fall on this politically. 
I uh, I don't think Rob Manfred is a very good commissioner, and I don't think it has anything to do with this move. I think the book was out on that guy, and however you feel about this move, there is backlash. And if he had like kept it in there, there would have been backlash for the other side of the political spectrum. I think Greg Sankey is, whether you want to call it brave, coward, whatever, I just don't think he wants any part of this headache. And I think once he kind of had a little taste of the example of like what happens when you do take kind of, you know, substantive action on things, um, kind of the backlash that ensues. So I think he will probably just hide in his bunker and act like he doesn't know what's going on. Georgia can go. Don't want the smoke. Yeah. I, I, if we know anything about our collective memories, we're going to forget that the MLB moved this game and maybe forget that the MLB exists entirely within a matter of like three weeks. So, Greg Sankey is just, he is a man of, and this isn't necessarily even a bad thing because being in this position, you have to be so cautious. He sort of perfected the art of being a man of inaction. And my biggest example is um, when LSU and Florida had that hurricane debacle back in 2016. And he just kind of let them take snipes at each other in the media, really just sat on his hands. And finally, after like two and a half weeks, made a decision on where they're going to play the game and when they would play it. Um, and obviously not everyone can be Mike Slive, but man, RIP Mike Slive, because that would have never happened. Mike Slive would have had a solution for that game in 48 hours, and that would have been that, and nobody would have challenged him on it. So I feel like if Greg Sankey was going to do anything about the SEC championship game, I'll allow Mike Slive, he would have done it by now. So I think he's just going to kind of wait and let other people make the decision for him, which – Again, not always a bad thing, but that's just sort of his brand at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. He should change his name to Empty Suit. Yeah, okay. like the <laughs> Sorry, go on, Drew. Isn't the isn't the brand of most major con- commissioners except for like Roger Goodell who has like the very explicit agreement that like you will get covered in shit on behalf of the owners and we will pay you $50 million a year to do so. But like, I feel like every other commissioner's job is kind of just like, let's kick this can down the road and let the news cycle take care of it. And like, I think Adam Silver tried to not make that the case. And then like, we've seen with the China stuff and we've seen with like the changes in the coronavirus protocols and all of that, that like, Oh no. Yeah. This is just another run of the mill, make the owner's money, keep everything going type commissioner. And so, I mean, the the fact that Sankey wouldn't do anything here isn't like out of the ordinary. Not even though, because I feel like Slive and before him, Roy Kramer, they were, they were out very public faces for their conferences and even Jim Delaney for a long time in the big 10. See what you want. Jim Delaney knew how to make money and knew how to do it very, very well. Um, they were outwardly facing figures for their conferences. They were legit, not just figureheads, but they were, I, I mean, they acted and they were proactive and everything. And I know like the Big Ten, they want to be warrior poets and they want to be the Ivy League and the SEC at the same time. But, you know, I feel like that age is just kind of, Mike Slide may have been the last of a dying breed. And that everyone's like that, like you said, Andrew. I don't like Larry Scott's a Pac-12 commissioner. Larry Scott is just a punching bag, and no one—I don't know what he looks like. And he's is been, Larry Scott still <laughs> the Pac-12 commissioner? I, thought he I got, know. I was about to say what for now? For, for now? Thought, no, for I'm now. pretty sure he got taken out back. Oh, are they, are they just doing the interim thing now? I have no idea. I thought he did, but I could be wrong. Maybe I, I was know. Just no, it's, it's still it's still Larry Scott. 
They did something to curb him recently, right? No, they did. So you don't fire commissioners. You just – and did great job if you can get it. You just let them run out the end of their contract and choose not to renew it. So they announced at the beginning of the year that his contract won't be renewed. Can't imagine why. What a shame for him. But he doesn't get fired immediately and get the college football coach buyout. I'm pretty sure he just serves out the contract and then someone competent comes in. Hopefully. Yeah, well. Holy shit. KP, did you see that Greg Byrne announced that he would not be taking the job last week? Oh, he was like the number one choice. He is like a a child of the West Coast and has been a very good AD in at least three different places so far. Like where was he before Arizona? Uh, Mississippi State. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was very good there. Um, and he grew up in Oregon. Um, I think his dad was an eighty or something like that. Like the guy was born to be the Pac-12 commissioner. So the fact that he turned him down to be out there was AD was just kind of like, oh, conference is in bad shape. Speaking of born to be commissioners, KP, did you listen to the interview I told you to listen to? Which one again? I, I, oh, the. Uh, no, I did not listen to a fucking Theo Epstein interview, Ross. <laughs> the man should be MLB commissioner. Rob Manford hates the sport. Theo Epstein should take over. Yeah, that's the, the thing. I will say about all the other commissioners, so Goodell, Silver, all the major conferences, they all seem to like their at least their sports or their conferences, right? Like Gary Bettman enjoys hockey. He may not be good at administering it, but he likes it. Rob Manfred fucking hates everything about baseball. <laughs> Now, now, here's a question that I have for y'all. Off the and I'm, I will not lie to you. I did not know this off the top of your head. Do you know the commissioner of the ACC or the Big Ten? Uh, is it John Swafford of the ACC? He may have retired. No, there is a guy named James J. Phillips. That sounds like a fucking '30s gangster. Wait, 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 wait. I know the Big Ten because he was the dude who was brand new this year and got it's all Kevin. Sm- it's Kevin Smith, right? It's no. Kevin something. It is Kevin. It's Kevin Paul, actually. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise, guys. Uh, Our first Kevin, round of business, we're Kevin abolishing Warren. Illinois. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Warren. Well, so, KP, when you say abolishing Illinois, the state or the, the university? The university. Okay. Chicago's well, cool. Um, well, yeah, but if, are you Chicago, sure we can't abolish the state of Indiana first? Yeah, actually, but, you know, Ohio. It, make it Ohio. Please make it Ohio. If, <laughs> if you took out the entire state of Illinois, you would take out Northwestern, too. So there's a little... There's a, a Chicago would be collateral damage, but it might be worth it. No, oh, we man. we've just uncovered a, a a gigantic year of commissioner movement because I was going to guess the same thing as KP. John Swafford stepped down or retired, whatever the hell he is. I wouldn't know him if you picked him out of the lineup. His name sounds old, if that makes any sense. But this guy got named there at the end of 2020. Yeah, J- no, J- 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 I left when when uh, uh, Wolford left. Wait. Well, do you think there's any part of it? And I'm I'm halfway tongue in cheek here. It's like Larry Scott stepped down. Like everyone knows he had the worst TV deal. Now I'm in the crosshairs. Does anyone know how to get the ACC network from where you live? It's just an ESPN thing, right? There's, but I still an, can't get it. It's on an something. ESPN property, but it's impossible to get a handle on because they put their worst games there, and there aren't anyone who tunes into Pit Wake Forest. Wait, no, As someone who is related to a Wake Forest grad who's currently dating a Pitt grad, I know that it's impossible to get Pitt-Wake Forest games, and they're all on the ACC network, and no one knows how to watch them. Is I also get just, blacked out. It's not included it not in my ESPN deal. It, like, you can't just get on the app and, like, like scroll through all the games. I thought they had, like, fucking ULM games and, like, Sunbelt and stuff there. The Sunbelt is easier to watch than the ACC it. network. 
Yeah, the ACC uh, network is look. The SEC network works because every now and then you'll have you'll randomly have something like, oh, number eighteen South Carolina against number twenty one Kentucky, right? And that th- that doesn't happen in the ACC. <laughs> yeah, well, the fourth it's the like fifth best game of the weekend, but it's technically still interesting. Yeah. Well, now. Now, here's a question is, is, uh, well, I guess media related. Has anyone seen this, uh, RSN deal with, uh, like Bally Sport that Sinclair did and they bought up all the, fo- like if any of, if anyone watches. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sinclair's in RSNs? Yeah, Sinclair bought off of, like, all the Fox Sports RSNs because, like, the Pelicans games now are presented by, like, Bally Sports or whatever. It's not Fox Sports anymore. So I think Sinclair bought them and then started licensing out the rights to sponsors, and fucking Bally is now a sponsor. And it started on April 1st, so I would assume it was something that was, like, second quarter of this year that they got going. I I have an interesting story about this, actually. So... I uh the summer I spent doing the Reds deal in Cincinnati or whatever um was while I was up there the sale of Fox, the regional Fox Sports Networks happened which I guess kind of tells you how long these TV deals take to actually get in place because this whole Bally deal from was it Sinclair the company that bought them is that correct Yeah I think I think I want to say Sinclair bought all of the Fox Sports RSNs Okay, so maybe maybe I have this wrong. Maybe they didn't have a buyer at the time. Maybe they announced the regional sports networks for sale when I was up there. That would probably make more sense in terms of the timeline because that was the summer of 2018. But uh-huh. I, either way, it's three years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's a long time ago, and I would never forget. I, like the day after it happened, like I saw it on my news app or whatever. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, actually, the Reds are a Fox Sports South person, and we get into the locker room for like the pregame availability. And, like, they have, for particularly for home games, I mean, they have all their TV guys there. Like, I don't think people realize how big those regional sports network teams are. Like, they have seven or eight hosts, reporters, whatever, that kind of make the rounds. They rotate road trips, whatever. And they were on the locker room and was, like, literally just looking at each other like, so do we still have jobs? How does this work? Are we fired? Should we go drink? Like, how in the <laughs> world does this work? And no one knew whether to, like, consult them or say congrats. Or any of this shit. It was one of the more awkward things, and I didn't know any of these people like like I've ever been around. And then it gets sold, and they kind of fire off half their talent or whatever. So tough, like that. That was tough. But uh, I'll never forget that because the day it sold, like I guess that shows you like corporate America, these gigantic companies. But, like it sells. These people find out on Twitter just like I do, and they're like, "Do we celebrate or mourn?" Rip. I realize I don't know this. <laughs> Who was your employer when you were in Cincinnati? Like technically, who signed your in- checks? It's a weird deal. So it's MLB Advanced Media. And yeah. so that's a weird Shout like, out, so, Bam. Okay, another screwy part of corporate America and corporate <laughs> greed and all this crap. Yeah. So MLB Advanced Media is technically its own entity for Major League Baseball. So like my boss was a guy named Mark Sheldon. He's been the Reds reporter for a very long time. Good guy. Great at his job or whatever. And he was talking about like, impending layoffs and budget cuts and, and getting cut back on travel. And, of course, I'm sitting there like, what the fuck are you talking about? You work for Major League Baseball. And he kind of <laughs> outlined it to me. He was like, no, I don't. I work for Major League Baseball Advanced Media. And when they split it up into two companies, it was back when media wasn't in such as terrible of a state that it is now. 
And apparently, it just kind of came out that MLB, this multi-billion-dollar corporation, does not give any money to MLB advanced media, and so they're just operating like any other online media outlet, kind of scraping to get by. Despite basically being the in-house wing for Major League Baseball, those guys are still allowed to break news. But uh, MLB is not interested in funding their quote-unquote in-house media. I, I, I rip. I do. I remember reading about MLB Advanced Media a while back. I do think they've since merged back with MLB because MLB realized it made no sense to like outsource this when it like there's no need to. Um, I, I, th- and, I think. <laughs> sorry, KB, no, go ahead. No, and that, that's it. It's like there's no reason for them to be separate entities, and the MLB was like, okay, let's merge again because it made sense for both parties. I think also MLB realized – well, I also think advanced media, like, when they were told, hey, figure your shit out on your own, like, did. Because if I understand it correctly, I think MLB advanced media are the ones that own MLB.tv and all of the technology of it. So the blackout rules are dumb. But, like, I this information could be outdated, but I remember I, like, did a tour of the MLB TV headquarters, and the, like, NHL streaming package – is run by MLB.tv and they like sell their equipment and all of their technology to the NHL because they got so good at it. So I think MLB advanced media started making their own money because MLB forced them to. And then MLB realized they were making their own money and took them back. Now here's a question. Because Rob Manfred hates baseball. And it's petty crap. Like it's petty. Y'all remember cut four? Do you remember what cut four was? It was like MLB advanced media's highlight wing. It was actually, like, the only way that people enjoyed watching baseball or, like, anyone under the age of 25. You're you're absolutely dead on with that. So their whole job was to, like, cut highlights. And to be completely honest, they were kind of annoying. You'd be in the middle of this game that's, like, in the seventh inning, and I'm sitting on my ninth cup of coffee. You could probably argue that I've basically done cocaine at this point. And, like, trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to get this story done. I got some guy from Cut 4 being like, could you clip this highlight for me? I'm like, no, I can't. But anyway, they were, they were good at their jobs, and they basically – that was kind of one of the last petty deals or whatever. It was like MLB wouldn't give them any money. So, like, I don't know if you've noticed Cut 4 lately. It, I don't know if it still exists, but it ceased to exist of what it was four years ago because this multi-billion-dollar industry that is Major League Baseball was like, yeah, don't feel like paying that. Yeah, it's still out there, but it's not like – it's not fun anymore. Like, it used to – Cut 4 was, like, especially when I was, you know – first starting out working a real job and not, you know, having time to watch and follow stuff when I was in school, it was how I consumed Major League Baseball for the most part outside of, like, following my favorite team's Twitter account. It's like, oh, wow, Cut 4 posted these, like, 11 really cool clips, and now I know everything that happened this day in Major League Baseball. And now it's like, it's it's, it's, it's the the MLB account. No, it's just the MLB account now. That's all it is. Yeah, but it's like they just tweet at the MLB account with, like, slightly better jokes that's all i see that's all i know about cut four anymore i think that's all they are and it used to be original stuff like it used to be good now here's here's my question is is um mlb tv still having like all of the insane problems that they used to have because i remember i remember thinking or or reading something uh, about how there were like tons of logistical issues and NBA TV is the fucking exact same way. I don't know how league pass operate or um, uh, league pass is the same way. I don't know how NFL Sunday ticket works, but like it really does shock me that like 
we are now, I don't know, 10 years into the streaming era, and you have these multi-billion dollar corporations that can't figure out how to let people give them $300 a year to watch basketball or, or baseball. Like, it, it, I, I really think it should be easier to be like, I'm willing to shell out an absurd amount of money to watch probably uh, – uh, the amount of games, more games than I need to consume, but I, I don't know how they ha- don't have that figured out. Like it, a, a lot cleaner. It's it's unbelievable, dude. When I uh, so the uh, another funny story. I keep just reeling off stories from the summer of 2018 as if anybody gives a fuck. But this is actually relevant to where like hey, so as someone who also lived in Ohio in 2018, I give a fuck. That's right, boss. You were in Columbus. I tried to get you to come to Cincinnati. I was not going to Columbus because there were odds are I was never making it back at that rate in my life. Yeah, and uh, I went to Cincinnati met- twice, and you never hung out with me either time. It's yeah, it's yeah. almost like I worked some bizarre schedule where I had to show up at this ballpark and then leave at three a.m. I remember that. Day. I was like, damn it, I, maybe this life is not for me. But I get this internship, and they give me a free MLB TV account, right? And I'm in my first year of grad school, and so I'm trying to watch the Reds and like kind of you know be a good intern until I get up there in mid-May. Well, I turn it on on opening day, and it's like, sorry, you're blacked out. You're within this blah, blah, blah market. I'm sitting there in Oxford, Mississippi, like, what the fuck? Like, what, what is this? Thing? Like, is this some kind of mistake? Technically, the Cincinnati Reds market dips down south, far, far enough south of Memphis to where if you're in Oxford, Mississippi, you can get the Cincinnati Reds on mainstream cable if you try hard enough. Therefore, as an MLB TV subscriber, granted for free, but if I'm some schmuck or just some Azure fan, I'm paying out the ass to watch my Cincinnati Reds. I cannot watch the Reds in Oxford, Mississippi because of a blackout. Wait, okay, so Rippy, answer me this. And Ross, you may be able to provide some uh, clarity here as well. Also, before I ask this question, shout out to Cruz. Uh, He just joined one of my boys, went to Alabama. Um, You guys have probably seen me retweet him on Twitter. Shout out to Cruz, um, you know, joining the room. Appreciate you being here, man. But Ohio people, tell me this. Is it true that the entire state is like all Cleveland baseball team country and the Reds have Cincy and their weird little corner of Kentucky and (laughs) they're basically the South's baseball team until you get down into Braves country? Is that true or not? Northern Kentucky City with a patch of Indiana. Ross, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, everyone I knew in Columbus was a was a Cleveland fan. Damn. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Really, well, I, didn't no, I knew I knew some Columbus Clippers fans. Let's let's put some respect on minor league baseball, which Rob Manfred refuses to do. I didn't realize Cincinnati was also so close to Indiana. I knew it was on the Kentucky border because the Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. It's also on the Indiana border. That's in what a shit, what a shitty tri-state. Cincinnati really is Kentucky. It's it's not, but it really is. <laughs> it absolutely. I, oh, I've been. It absolutely is. I think it's the most like, but it's the most like because I didn't know anything about Cincinnati when I got there. I heard they did weird shit with their chili, but I got up there and I really loved the city. But I didn't realize <laughs> that like, okay, this is technically in Ohio, but literally you go across this river and it's Kentucky. So it's literally just Kentucky City displaced on the wrong side of a river. The but, river uh, that the ballpark is on, right? Me that, yeah, my girlfriend came and visited me that summer, and, like, she's not a geography whiz, as she's staring just eye-fucking the shit out of me at this point while I'm talking about this. But she's pick- I picked her up from the airport, and she's like, wow, like, this place is bigger than Shreveport. I was like, yeah, no shit. They got a Major League Baseball franchise, but I just feel like it's not a relevant place. <laughs> I just, it's so funny because it's on the river. Cincinnati. So. It's bigger than Shreveport. So it's on that the river. That was her which comment. Is- 
as we drove in from the Cincinnati airport that's in Kentucky. (laughs) It's very funny because obviously back in olden times, if your city was on a river, you had a pretty good chance of striking it big. But like, what was stopping Covington, Kentucky from being that city, right? I feel like Cincinnati just got lucky because Covington's just right there. Has all the same probably the students of Covington Catholic, as evidenced by you know what they did that one time. Hey, we don't recognize Covington Catholic. Covington Latin School, those are my people. Uh, Maddie well, Grote, well, Liz Keller, if y'all are listening, shout out to y'all again. What, um, KP, <laughs> what, what wasn't in like, uh, think about this in like '96 when Delta was expanding, it was between Atlanta and Birmingham, Birmingham to choose their <laughs> hub. Think about what Nick Saban could have done if Birmingham was Atlanta right now. Whoa, Birmingham whoa, 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 whoa. Just, I, I knew that story. That takes place in 96? I thought that took yes. place in, like, I'll, 75. I want to say it was in the 90s. Hold on. Let's God watch damn out. it, Birmingham is so fucking racist. Whenever it was, Birmingham, <laughs> Birmingham said no. Like, I think they came to Birmingham first. <laughs> yes, and Birmingham said no because it was bringing in them out-of-state folks who they don't like. Uh, hold on. When did yeah. Nick, Nick Saban would have gotten college football Everything is now. bad. <laughs> While Andrew is looking this up, one last in, irrelevant factoid on Cincinnati, Covington, Kentucky. Do y'all know what happened in Covington, Kentucky? Take a wild uh, guess. In the last five years, there's, the only thing I can the, think of is the Covington Catholic kids. Nope. Dan Mullen, Hugh Freeze, Leo Lewis. Great and start. Matt Luke sat in a hotel room as Ole Miss's committee on infractions hearing was in Covington, Kentucky. Apparently, they Let's did not go. want to have in Cincinnati. But at the Holiday Inn in Covington, Kentucky, Dan Mullen, Leo Lewis, <laughs> Matt Luke, and Hugh Freeze all sat in a ballroom and discussed talk shop for five hours. Thank you so much, Brian Scott Rippy. That is the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> I wish I would have been there, but my company didn't want. Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay, Man, I got I, I got a clarification. I got a clarification. It looks like it was in Atlanta in 1941, but Birmingham made some push to get some tax exemption in the late 80s going to attract airlines to Birmingham, and apparently was trying to pull Delta. Then I believe if Birmingham was a major hub. And you can get direct flights from anywhere in the country to Birmingham, Alabama. Nick Saban would have had college football abolished by now. Like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Najee Harris walked off that plane into Tuscaloosa instead of flying to Michigan. But, like, that would have happened 17 times over starting in 2008. Exactly. Wow, Alabama's got 25 early enrollees again. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, well. Rich Rodriguez actively lobbied for a statue to be built outside of Alabama for, uh, at the midnight hour declining the Alabama job after accepting it because we all know what happened next. But that's always often an ill reported story that Rich Rodriguez had agreed in principle to, uh, take that gig before going to Michigan and paving the way for, uh, Mr. Nicholas Saban. The dirty little secret. I, I is actually that... learned that, like, within the last year for the first time. I did not know that. I, think I learned Rod it upon meeting Rich job. Rodriguez over a beer in August of 2019. And I was like, well, it didn't work <laughs> out for you, pal. I think Rich Rod actually kind of wanted the job, but his wife was so grotesquely disgusted with Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> 
and this is like 2006, 2007 Tuscaloosa, not the current um, semi-decent city we know today. This was like before Nick Saban got all the money. Well, yeah, from, they didn't have an embassy suites then, Kevin. This this was pre-gentrification, baby. Exactly. So I, I can imagine what – I mean, look, they're coming from Morgantown, West Virginia, so glass houses. But um, his wife just hated Tuscaloosa so much. It got to a point where she could never see herself – not even living there, but just coming there eight times a year for, <laughs> for games. And it, you could make the argument that instead of being disgusted with Tuscaloosa, she probably should have been disgusted with her spouse because you fast forward eight years later and he's hanging brain on receptionists at their desk. Oh, yo, that's uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that definitely happened. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Where is Rich Rod working now? Offensive coordinator at ULM. A- yeah, yeah. He's he working for Terry Bowden, isn't he? He is. He lasted a year at Ole Miss, and people, you know, that kind of went quiet by the wayside. Is like, you know, as big of a controversial hire as DJ Durkin was for Kiffin, Matt Luke hired Rich Rodriguez while that whole Arizona deal was unfolding, where it was basically like, uh, I think this man has been accused of getting nude in front of his secretary. Yep. Yeah, and but fuck then- DJ Durkin. And then that man went on to play John Rice Plumley ahead of Matt Corral for an entire season. That he did. That he did. And then ran the ball on first down 19 consecutive times at Auburn. And one of the very few interesting stories I have from being a beat reporter for Ole Miss football during the Matt Luke years, where we're sitting at this shitty-ass tunnel under Auburn Stadium after they lose that game that they had no business being in but actually had a shot in. Mm-hmm. And you can hear Rich Rodriguez refuses to come talk to the media. Just like, it's not coming out. And I'm sitting there like, God damn it. Like, I'm going to get to this shitty-ass hotel at 2 in the morning because this asshole refuses to come out of the locker room. And you can hear him through this cinder block wall just cussing up a storm. And my radio co-host at the time worked the sideline for the school's radio network. So he's a lot in the locker room. So I texted Richard. I was like, hey, man, what's going on in there? I can hear Rich Rod, and he was like, yeah, he's cussing, but just not at anyone. He just kind of wandered around looking at the ground yelling curse words in the air. It's not directed at anyone in particular. And it was combinations <laughs> I've never heard of. Look, Rich Rod's from, like, New Hampshire, right? Do I, or am I confusing him with Chip Kelly? Chip he's Kelly's from, from a, New Hampshire. Yeah, and Rich Rod's from, like, a weird place to where West Virginia felt like home to him. Like, that's the kind of place. <laughs> oh, like Joe Manchin. Yeah, exactly. Rich Rod and Joe Manchin are the same. Everything is Congress. Um, let me see where Rich Rodriguez is from. I'm pulling up the old Google. This is kind of cheating. He's no, he's from Chicago. I know the fuck out oh, there. <laughs> but never mind. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. AP doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. No way. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. You invited me on your show. I'm just a guest. Yeah, well, you're you're basically just like a guest host this week. What's happened? Um, shout out to crew. Shout out to Brad. You're in the room. I really appreciate it. If you guys have any questions? Please feel free throw them in the chat. Uh, we'll be happy to answer them as best we can. Andrew Stevens had to leave um, for the remainder of the show. I think he has to um, enter in a cryogenic sleep so he can grow another six inches by the time I see him. Um, oh, but, Ted yeah. Williams style. Exactly. So we're having a good time, uh, patiently waiting on the return of Ted Williams to go call a bunch of people the N-word um, in modern baseball. I, You know, I think as 
on the topic of cryogenic sleep and the N-word, um, so it should I, think be good. Should be, <laughs> I think we should, you know, really be, be thankful that uh, Sergeant James Buchanan Barnes came out of a bunch of cryogenic sleep as the Winter Soldier and, like, immediately just became friends with uh, Sam Wilson and just, like, didn't start dropping a bunch of uh, slurs, you know? Yeah, that, that's that dude, one... that dude lost his memory in, like, 1941. Which guy, uh, which was was prime slur territory, really. Forty five. So the guy's from Brooklyn, lost his memory in nineteen forty five, and was brainwashed by Nazis over the next um, seventy years. Um, Super so, Nazis. So these the were fact, the Nazis beyond the Nazis. Yeah. So the fact that he didn't really like, whenever he came to, he didn't immediately revert to any kind of slurs. Good for him, man. Good, good guy, Bucky. What a guy. Yeah. That was the absolute <laughs> worst time to tune out for 25 seconds and then put headphones in because that was a ride. From the time I put <laughs> these suckers back in to well, where were we going with this? I'm all in for it. I just, I'm so lost. Have you been watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier at all? I, or... I have not. My TV palette is pretty bland, dude. Last night I got, uh, I, I would highly recommend this. I actually watched. Have you seen this documentary on Inside the NBA, the halftime show? It is fantastic. Oh, they oh, did heard good things. I haven't seen it. Oh, so they did a documentary about the show. Okay, I haven't and heard it, of that, it, actually. It's not even just a documentary. It's like a it's like a four or five. Oh, jeez. It's, uh, it's on HBO Max. I just got IT on that as we speak. Um, yeah, and it's it's really good. But anyway, that that's irrelevant. I was just saying my TV palette is uh, very, very vanilla. We were just talking about the minor miracle it was that, um, you know, Bucky, the MCU character, uh, lost his memory in 1945, was brainwashed by some super Nazis from then until, like, 2014, uh, but, you know, never once uttered a slur, you know? It just, you know, he... But it feels like that he's a prime candidate too. But no, he never did. So shout out to him. You know, good upbringing there. That's pretty impressive because I feel like the 1945 Nazis might have a little more bite to them than the uh, 2014 ones. Yeah, those are like the old school slurs. You know, stuff that you like, like Myers Leonard level. Yeah, I was gonna. I was about to say, who was it that just went deep in his bag on a slur? It was Myers Leonard. Oh God, that's just the he traded him, uh, and <laughs> he traded him, and then the Thunder were like, "Hey, just, just don't even show up. Just don't. <laughs> just don't get on the plane. We're not booking yeah. a new ticket. Yeah. Don't show up at the okay. airport. <laughs> Talk okay. about a tumultuous month, right? You drop a slur, you make some excuse about it, you don't know how it's happening, and like he was kind of sort of playing rotational minutes, and all of a sudden he's just like, "Yeah, actually, don't jump here and get straight." Like, yeah. what? What a couple of weeks. He probably, I'm probably gonna take a vacation if I were him. Right. Yeah. Who? Who is the guy? He's on the Dolphins, I think, or he like grew up in Miami. It was an it was an NFL player recently who like used the slur and like deleted the tweet in like six minutes and was immediately Carlton like, "Oh Davis. my god, guys, I'm so sorry." Carlton Davis. He's the Bucks DB, right? He's an Auburn guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is an Auburn guy. He damn, I actually didn't. I hadn't put that together through through the whole story until you just said his name right now. Not and yeah. like the Auburn flags bumped in my head. Yeah, he's Auburn and a Buccaneers player, so pretty big fan of him from my end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, he just used a slur and immediately, um, like six minutes later, he was like, oh, my bad. And it's like, oh, well, they were just done. But speaking yeah, but of... It, he, to be fair, he didn't give him the my bad. He gave him the holy shit, guys, I'm so sorry. Yeah, which, which I feel like which was is, what Myers Leonard missed. Myers Leonard said that shit with his chest and was like, oh, whoops. Might get in trouble for that one and just kept playing, <laughs> kept streaming. <laughs> it was like, nah, buddy, those to, are different. The video game boost. Whether you're saying something that's awesome or something that's just totally problematic, in the heat of the adrenaline when you're playing video games, that shit's going to come out more fiery. <laughs> yeah, but like, to be fair, I've played a lot of video games and I've never been like, oh no, my shot got blocked in 2K. Let's use a slur from the 40s. Oh, yeah, of course not. I'm not <laughs> saying he, like, the, the language is acceptable. I'm just saying if he fires off a tweet that uses that slur, it doesn't have the same bite that him yelling it into the headset while he's racking up kills on Call of Duty. The, yeah. the adrenaline gets pumping, and it just, it just sounds so much more violent, no matter what the word is. Like Matt Damon in School Ties level. That's how bad Oh, man. Damn, KP. Wait, 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 KP, you've seen School Ties? Yeah, we had to watch it in American history. Um, you've seen, like, no movies year. ever, and you've seen <laughs> School Ties. Sorry, Matt Damon and Brendan Fraser. Um, okay, speaking so, – sorry, speaking of, um, fl- speaking of Florida football teams, uh, Brad, uh, who's uh, a very good Twitter follow and, um, you know, is also joining the show. Shout out, Brad. Thanks again for you know, listening to us. I want to talk about Joy Taylor very briefly, and I preface this by saying, really up until the last 48 hours, I felt like I was going to marry Joy Taylor, um, the co-host of The Herd with Colin Coward. Um, she normally, 98.7% of the time, has amazing takes on pretty much everything, both from sports, uh, a sports perspective and a social issues perspective. Very good head on her shoulders, very intelligent woman. Um, I love her to death. Joy, if you're listening to this, please follow me back on Twitter. Um, love you. But I had a pretty She's interesting had a pretty interesting take on Tua Tungavailoa, uh, which obviously, as you guys know, being on Twitter, Alabama fans, we don't play about Tua. Uh, we love him. We miss him. Um, and we're rooting for his success. Um, Joy Taylor tweeted on the same day she was like, and I don't know, maybe Sam Donald could turn around in Carolina. We never know. Um, you know, all the pieces are there. In the same breath, said that Tua is not a quarterback that can lead a team to the playoffs. Tua has played in nine games in an NFL career, most of which were with a not 100% operational hip. Um, and he was okay. He was okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was okay. And Joy yeah, Taylor but, is like, yeah, it might be time to move on from Tua. It's been nine games. Sam Donald's been doing this for three years. He's sucked out loud for three long years. But, like, KP, yes. do not forget, Sam Donald's much whiter. Sam Donald is a lot whiter than Tua. And that's, we got to remember so, that. So, you know, uh, hard to balance exactly what matters the most. Yeah, it's also, and, it's also like, uh, this is no, I've actually been wanting to bring this up with someone that would know, and there's probably no better people than you two, with the exception of maybe Speakman. I wish we could complete the trifecta, but you guys are Alabama guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, is it okay to like both of them? Because I actually don't, I'm not completely out on Sam Darnold. I think Adam Gase is a big doo-doo doofus, 
And I think he was put in the worst position possible to succeed. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I just would like to see it with a fresh start. But it was interesting watching Tua last year where anyone who watches college football, which is shockingly a small amount of the NFL population, Yes. Is like if there was any overlap, you're sitting there going, and I, I, I could see it I, from anyone else that has a podcast, radio show, you name it, that actually watches college football. Like you could kind of see the take was the same, but it just wasn't mainstream because, again, most people don't watch college football. They watch one or the other. The guy at Alabama looked absolutely nothing like the guy at the Miami Dolphins. And I don't think it had anything to do with the guy himself. One, he sounded like, at least from what I read, and again, I'm very distant. I don't know shit about the Miami Dolphins. He had a very old-school offensive coordinator that probably is one of those dudes that walks in and throws a dip in and is like, I hate rookie quarterbacks and all that bullshit. Chan Gailey! Chan Gailey! He's he's a real Dennis Leary in draft day vibes. Yeah, not Two. just in the old school OC. Chan fucking Gailey. That has to be said. Right, sorry, two. continue, Rippy. No, no, it's fine. You, y'all are exactly right. And two, <laughs> the narrative going into the year is, oh, two is not going to play. He shouldn't play. I'm not even arguing whether that's right or wrong. I don't know shit about his tip. And, you know, the Miami Dolphins have an impeccable record of grading quarterback's health, as we all know. Um, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, okay, marginally healthy. They put him in at a weird time where Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing quite well, and all of a sudden he's just thrown in. They don't trust him to throw the football down the field. I find this talk of, is two of the answer, absolutely absurd. I don't see, and I'm not a tape guy. Again, like, I watch football casually. I like to drink beer on Sundays and hang out and watch it. But I watched this guy in college for three years. How is there any tape out there to where you could make any rash determination on Tua Tungavailoa? They didn't let him do anything. It's, it's like the playbook changed every time he got in, and it was like, wow. Like, you look at his actual, like, advanced stats, which are just more based on rates and averages and whatnot. And, yeah, the sample size is smaller, but he was, like, what, the second or third most accurate downfield passer this year? Yeah, he and, was- and I, I will say, like, <laughs> he, I didn't watch a ton of Dolphins games. But as someone who is a fan of an NFL team, also breaking in a young quarterback who's not who has not impressed so far, um, there is a lot of people out there like, and this is one, Tua is you know quote to or, or you know credit to Roger Sherman who's the one who's always the most efficient passer in the history of college football, like bar none. He broke. He set that record, and then was a, on the record was on pace to break it again until he got hurt, and so he didn't qualify his last year in college football. Yeah. So he gets a little. So in my mind, he should get a little bit of time to figure this shit out while he's being handicapped by Chang Chang Daly. But also, like, there are a lot of good quarterbacks who have taken a little bit of time to adjust to the NFL. This is something that Broncos fans, of whom I unfortunately am a member of, like, <laughs> will talk about all the time when people rag on Drew Locke, because Drew Locke is, has been steaming hot ass for two years. He has been the 31st or 32nd quarterback in the NFL along with Sam Darnold. And what Broncos fans who don't know anything will say is, yeah, when John Elway came into the league, he wasn't very good. 
And the issue is John Elway was like the 17th or 18th best quarterback his first two or three years and then became one of, in my mind, the five best quarterbacks in NFL history. If you don't like the Broncos, you could probably scan that to like 10 or 15. But there's no argument that he's lower than the 15th best quarterback in NFL history. But it took him a couple of years to get going. Uh, So there are a lot of very good quarterbacks who are like medium when they first get there. Tua wasn't bad. He just wasn't ridiculously awesome, which he was in college. And it takes a year or two. Like Patrick Mahomes, who in his second year lit the league on fire and was like, oh, my God, this guy might be the best quarterback of all time. Like, obviously, they worked him in for a reason because they were going to the playoffs and they didn't need to. But like. If he was second-year Patrick Mahomes, his first day in the NFL, they would not have started Alex Smith for a year. Exactly. And that's 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 so true. There is no one. Like, even Justin Herbert, who got his first start because the team doctor stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lungs, which we should never forget that the team uh, doctor stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lungs to give Justin Herbert his first start. He took like five weeks, and then they got into the game, and everyone was like, holy shit, he's that good. I mean, it's sabotage, right? Uh, first of all, like the Chargers team doctor definitely sabotaged Tyrod Taylor. He career. was paid by Mr. and Mrs. Herbert. I mean, we've also you know, never, hard... and there you go. I like where your head's at. We've also never <laughs> been hard enough to figure out to see whether he was behind this. Because, you know, the whole thing on Herbert was like, hey, I don't think this guy's ever actually left the state of Oregon. Red flag to me. Does he kill people in his spare time? Not sure. I'm just saying, if he, the very minimum, he might. But the Tua thing is so wild to me, and maybe it's just my general skepticism of social media actually being a reflection of how rational people feel about their football team. But I downplayed the whole, like, is Tua the guy thing towards the end of the year. I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard, but it'll make good waves on first take. But you're actually starting to hear this from real people as the draft gets closer and as it creeps up and they start talking about trades and stuff. And I I cannot, as a guy that watched Tua play SEC football for two and a half years, I cannot wrap my head around something like that. I just can't. If I, I am a Tennessee Titans fan, it is literally the only team I have any sort of halfway emotional connection with anymore, which is honestly probably just a sad state of affairs. But, like, <laughs> if he were the quarterback of the Titans today, I would be jacked. I would be like, hell yes, this kid got in for seven games last year, whatever. We're going into this season. This is going to be awesome. But yet somehow the narrative now is like, should they trade up and get another pick? And I just don't understand that. And the dirty little secret that no one wants to talk about is, one, before the whole Joe Burrow story happened, was Tua was the slam dunk number one pick. He was literally Trevor Lawrence before Trevor Lawrence. Then the Joe Burrow story (laughs) happens. And then, again, nothing no one wants to talk about because Burrow had the year that he did. The nine games that Tua was healthy he had 33 touchdown passes and three interceptions, and every number pretty much aligns dime for dime for what Joe Burrow did over the course of a full season. He just, unfortunately, got destroyed at Mississippi State one day. And no one wants to talk about that. And what's the difference between the conversation between Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa? I guess Tua's team was, quote-unquote, ready to win now, even though 360 days earlier, they intentionally tried to tank, but their coach was too good for them to actually do that. And Burrow visibly got destroyed by an offensive line for six weeks and got injured. I don't understand the Tua team. Uh, the Tua thing, I should say. That makes no sense to me. I would be jacked to have him on my team. And I don't understand if you let go of Ryan Fitzpatrick, how in the world you're ever doubting a dude 
with the arm talent that he had. I watched what Devonta Smith did to Ole Miss. I watched what Tua did the year before. I don't understand how you could watch that on tape and be like, yeah, not sure. The thing about Tua is everyone always says, oh, look what happens when you take away the weapons um, that he had at Alabama. Uh, look what happens. Um, and it's like, okay, number one, it's like, okay, Tom – like the worst number one receiver Tom Brady ever had was Dion Branch, and I think Dolphins fans would kill to have Dion Branch on the <laughs> on, its, <laughs> on the Dolphins right now. Like that's how. Like and again, no no shade to Brady. He's obviously the go quarterback, but you know he's he's had good receivers. Two of his two best receivers were one guy whose name I can't even remember, and Lynn Bowden, a guy that played quarterback at Kentucky. Like those yeah, are like, <laughs> it's it's you're obviously going to get worse when you move from four first round NFL draft picks to anything else. Like you are you not that you're going to get worse. There is a benefit to having that. But when you move from wide receivers to people with feet for hands, you're going to look <laughs> worse. And it's not your fault. And it's like and you would think like, oh, like. Maybe Devontae Parker can, you know, do something for them. Devontae Parker played in, like, what, eight or nine games last year and was the worst in getting separation out of any number one receiver last year. Like, everything that could have gone wrong for Tua pretty much did in Miami. And he was still okay. I think if you just – like, with any quarterback, you put a little bit better infrastructure around him and you'll see positive results. It's a wild concept, I I know, but – And as someone who wagered a ton of money on the NFL, more than I'm proud of in this past fall, there was it is that's what part of me that's wild about the disconnect with college football. There was no part of me ever watching the Dolphins because I liked them to bet on because they covered all the time. Not to brag, just saying I found a trend. But there was never no part of like there was never a part of me that was like, damn it, Tua can't do this. It was like I want to kick Chan Gailey in the dick. Like, what are we doing here? Can we throw the ball down the field? And I, I will say, beyond Chan Gailey and, and the wide receivers with feet for hands, something that, that Cruz just brought up in the chat, I can't help but think that the fact that Alabama had a guy who was re- recruited lightly and looked poorly upon and turned out to be pretty good, you know, it, the jury's still out on what his NFL future is, but everyone thought of Tua as the next coming because he was so incredibly talented and everyone thought Mac as, you know, this AJ McCarron type. He's just like another like silly white guy who came to Alabama to be a career backup. And then when he had a great year, everyone was like, Oh, maybe all of Tua's success was due to his line and his wide receivers and Najee Harris behind him. Um, And of course, in his first year, my one true love, Damian Harris, but like, right. I, I think that people are saying, and and maybe this will go down now that Mac Jones is being considered like a top five pick, but like there were a lot of people who Mac Jones showed up in the starting lineup. Everyone assumed he'd get beat out by Bryce Young, but he didn't. And he was like, you know, Hey, I'm Michael McCorkle Jones, which is his real full legal name, which I will never get over when he is into the hall of fame as a great self-awareness NFL starter. I will never forget the man's name is Michael McCorkle Jones. But, like, I think people were like, oh, well, if this random bullshit-ass white guy can do the same thing that Tua did, you know, Tua must not be that good. And then I think over the course of the year, we've realized, all right, Mac actually had something to offer. There's a reason he was at Alabama, not just in the Greg McElroy, 
A.J. McCarron era, but in the actually good quarterbacks era, like, you know, maybe there, maybe he was just also good and Tua wasn't just a product of his receiver. So I don't know what the next year is going to look like. Um, but I, th- I think there's a lot of people, you know, hating on Tua for, for no reason. But, you know, I will freely admit that as an Alabama student and fan, or as an Alabama alum and fan, like, I am 100% biased in my opinion. I, uh, you're dead on there, Ross. But, like, I, again, on top of that, I, as, I, if you watch both of them in college, and I don't even hate Mac Jones as a prospect, but watch those two throw to the sideline and try to tell me that shit's the same thing. But if, right now, if we're just stoking the coals of the Alabama fans' uh, worst hot takes, I got one for you guys because KP tweeted about it earlier in the week, and I just found this as asinine. Devontae Smith, late bloomer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that's <laughs> what a hot take. Um, speak, speaking of Alabama, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trolling Some wrong-ass shit. I'm trolling Andrew here. Uh, I'm, Cruz is now a speaker. Sup, Cruz? Uh, now's a great time to bring you on. Um, talk to me about how Devontae Smith is a late bloomer and how, you know, he didn't really make an impact on college football history um, until, his, <laughs> until his last season. So, yeah, so apparently late bloomer, the definition has changed because um, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that he had a game-winning touchdown against Mississippi State. He had an incredible touchdown in the Vanderbilt game from Tua. And then, of course, you know, he he won the national championship game against Georgia, uh, the perfect, you know, 40-yard throw and cover two, uh, you know, straight to the end zone, game over, lights out, the lights went out in Georgia. Um yeah, I, I, that is probably the worst take I've ever heard about Devontae Smith. Like you could have, you could have <laughs> played the, oh, he's not, he doesn't have NFL weight, or oh, he's too skinny, or maybe he's not like, uh, you know, the breakaway speed. But no, that was literally the worst take I think I've ever heard. And and a lot of these people with blue checks think they can get away with saying some asinine shit, and it is just hilarious, like how wrong they are. Cruz, I wanna I wanna take a second here and remember that our our fourth well he's actually a co-host of this podcast. You and I are just rogue boosters. Um, our fourth esteemed speaker at the moment is an alumnus of the University of Mississippi, and I don't know if people know this, but during his uh, pre-blooming era, as Devonte Smith was a late bloomer, um, something happened against the University of Mississippi. Can you can you remind us of what happened there? Yeah, it was actually really funny because uh, my sister's freshman year at Ole Miss, uh, there was a man by the name of Devontae Smith who believe I scored one, two, three, five. Yeah, five touchdowns, and I think four were in the first half. Um, yeah, uh, Devontae Smith owns. Five, five touchdowns in, 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 in how many games? Um, one, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah wow. One, yeah. Just just one game. Wow, that just, seems like a just, lot to me. Just one game. With by the way, with Rugs, with Judy, with Waddle, and and a healthy Tua. So, yeah, late bloomer, my ass. Uh, that that is the worst take I've ever heard. He is. It's 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 just funny. And I think my favorite thing now is how. And it, it kind of goes with Mac as well. Is that people are trying to downplay. Uh, you know, Mac is not a p- great prospect. He had too many weapons. He's just not all that. He couldn't do it without it. 
And then you have the same people saying that Devontae Smith is, you know, the third or fourth best wide receiver in the draft class. So which one is it? You know, make up your mind. It was, it, did he, was he too stacked with talent or, you know, was it, or is, is Devontae Smith a little overrated? Like, I, I need to know. Um, but it, it, tr- it truly is. And I used to think it was, a, it was just a lazy take, but it was like called Bama fatigue. But really, Bama fatigue is a real thing. Yeah, Doug, I have fantastic drop in there. And as someone who was sitting there for that game as well, that's why when I saw – so that's what made me question. So KP tweeted about that earlier in the week because some random asshole was like Devontae <laughs> late bloomer. And I was like, is this a mainstream take or is that just some guy like just really, just really hacking it? And then I kind of started doing some digging. I was like, there's actually other some semi-credible people that actually think this. And – I'll never. I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I was, I was listening to Ryan Rosillo's podcast one day, and he's doing the. You draft should be ashamed to admit that, Rippy. With, with, with some guy, and Rosillo, to his credit, like admits when he doesn't know something, or admits when he knows. Like, if he doesn't watch something, whatever, he's on it. But he was on some draft guy. They're talking about Devontae Smith, and they were kind of. They weren't saying he was a late bloomer. They were ranking him amongst the Alabama receivers. And I was laying in bed, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fire this. Yo, Rip. Yo, Rip, you good? Oh, spoken like a true old Miss Rebel. Dropped the ball. So, 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 Rip fell into a a pool apparently. Um, But no, I actually had this. I noticed this recently. Literally today, I was listening to. um, And when Rip comes back online, he can take this back over. Um, I was listening to uh, the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays and Nate Tice, and they were Mm -hmm. talking about the. Uh, top pass catchers for this year's draft and uh, as a alumnus of the University of Alabama I will love all of our wide receivers with my whole heart and I will never disparage any of them even a little bit and a Denver Except- Broncos fan I, I still believe that Jerry Judy is the the truth in in all things but one of the things that Nate Tice was saying is that he said he started looking at the wide receivers last year preparing for the draft and he was looking at Ruggs and Judy and uh, the thought that kept popping into his head to credit the late bloomer point is that um, I don't know if either of y'all or anyone in the chat is a is a big walk hard fan. The Dewey Cox story. Um, but he said the thought that kept popping into his head was the wrong kid died from that movie, which is that like, he was watching the credits, watching the tape of, of Ruggs and Judy and thinking the wrong receiver declared Derek like Devonte Smith. Sorry is the best receiver in this group. He should be the one going out this year. But he went back for another year and obviously showed everybody that. Um, so I think this idea that Devontae Smith like ate because everyone else left is silly. Like, I think he pretty clearly showed that he was the most, like he was among the most talented, if not the most talented, last like two years ago or whatever in 2019. But he had the least name recognition, so he came back for another year. Obviously, won the Heisman and all that. Like, I think he was this late bloomer idea is kind of just people who never watched a game earlier. They only knew that Ruggs and Judy got drafted in the top fifteen last year. Okay, so if you go back and you look at the you know the the triplets freshman year in twenty seventeen, where you had Judy Ruggs and Smitty. Smitty came on the scene late because Jalen couldn't throw the ball down the field. And they were running, and but Smitty, if you if you watch, Smitty runs the best slant routes out of the RPOs. Not, you know, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy runs great underneath routes, and he runs you know great deep ball 
Uh, Rugs is just a speedster. Give him a sweep. Give him, you know, give him a, give him a uh, just a streak and a go. Uh, but Smitty runs across the middle really, like really well, and he takes big hits, and he always has taken big hits. He came on the scene late in 2017 because he ran the RPO slants better than any of the guys. So Mississippi State, um, the uh, what is the the uh, the the um, the George game with Tua when they were running that. Um, you have some other games too, but Ruggs, you know, came on late in that season because everything he caught, he scored a touchdown because it was garbage time or it was just busted coverage or he's just faster than everybody else. Jerry Judy, I think, is the best route runner I think I've ever seen. Um, his moves are just ridiculous, but I think if I, if, if I had to rank it, um, if I had to rank all four, um, I would I would take I would take Judy Smith Waddle and Rugs because Rugs to me is a one trick pony. He's just, he's just like I'm faster than you and there's nothing you can do about it. I think really Waddle, good trick though, man. <laughs> it's a, no no you're gonna be wrong. It's a great <laughs> trick. It is a great trick and that's why I made him a lot of money. Um, but he's not a great route runner. Um, he's actually a pretty decent run blocker, so I do give him that. Um, it ha- wasn't as big in special teams as I would have liked him to have been because someone that fast should should have been returning kicks at least. Um, Waddle is just so athletic, um, and he can do a lot. I the only reason I have him at three is because I think I think Smitty is just an all around better receiver. Um, and I said and I say the same about Jerry Judy. Um, but I mean, you can't go wrong picking with that one. Like if I like I said, out of the three. Out of the top three, I think you can't go wrong. Ruggs, to me, was the guy who should have came back for another year. But I understand why he left. I don't understand how he went in front of Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or Justin Jefferson. Well, uh, I, I can tell you exactly how he went in front of Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson, and that is because the Raiders were picking first. Yeah, and they love These speed. are the they same Raiders yeah. that um, – KP, I don't have the memory that you do. Uh, who was it that they picked over Michael Crabtree? Darius oh. Hayward Bay. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. So it's just funny to me, though. But like, um, look, I'm actually really happy for Devonte that he came back. Um, he made himself a lot of money because Smitty was projected to go at the end of the first. Hell, there were mock drafts having him go to New Orleans, which you know he is a big Saints fan, and the Saints were looking at him. Um, you know, he was projected to go late late first round uh in the draft last year now he's going to go i mean he should go top 10 um he might fall out but he'll probably go top 10 he i i I think i think carolina is a good fit for him detroit uh philly i mean i i could see someone trading to go get him i don't see him falling past 15 i really don't um it just all depends on you i I love i love the idea of him at miami at six I think Kyle Pitts is. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be going to be uh, there at six for Miami. Um, you don't think Kyle Pitts goes four or five? No. Uh, so four. I think Denver is going to trade up and get Mac Jones or Lance or Justin Fields, depending on who's there. Not there at three. And then I think the Cincinnati Bengals are either going to go Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow is lobbying for Jamar Chase, or they're going to go uh, the left tackle out of Oregon because they have to protect him. All right, Cruz. I need I need your judgment here, and KP, you can rule in here too. Yeah. Um, this may be. Uh, I, I'm asking, you know, how much should I feel bad about this? As uh, a a a uh, 
huge fan Fuck. of my beloved alma mater, but <laughs> also someone who grew up a fan of my then hometown. KP will make fun of me. I got seven of these. But my then hometown Denver Broncos. These are the team that I, that's the team I grew up with. That is my preferred NFL team. I would really love for the San Francisco 49ers to draft Mac Jones so that the Denver Broncos can take Justin Fields. Because I do not believe that the Broncos can successfully do anything with Mac Jones, and I believe that Justin Fields has a better chance. Does that make me a bad bammer? No, it makes you a wrong bammer. That's um, fair. No, uh, Justin Fields is not accurate. He cannot read a defense properly. He relies Ooh. way too much on playing against inferior talent. Um, yeah, he's fast, but he's not faster than you know. You got you got to look at those edge ed rushers that he has to go up against in San Francisco and in, in San Diego. Yeah, it's nice that he runs four four, but look how that's worked out for you know a lot of other mobile quarterbacks. And, and you keep that four four speed doesn't really matter that much, um, especially when does, you're does not. It, does especially it change when you're not. Sorry, go ahead. Especially not that accurate. Um, Look, I think Denver and Mac Jones would be a great fit because Mac Jones has a candidate of an arm. He's got he's got that altitude. He has a receiver. He already has chemistry with him, Jerry Judy. You guys have a you guys have good weapons around him. I think that I think he would be more successful in Denver uh, than Justin Fields would. Uh, I really feel that way. Um, look, Justin Fields is, is he's you you know what he is he's he's Cam Newton light. Like he, like that's what he looks like. He looks, he looks the part, but he does not play the part. Uh, yeah, you, Cam he, Newton won an MVP though. Yeah, Cam, Cam, no, no, he's. I'm saying he's Justin. He's Cam Newton light. He looks the part of Cam Newton, but he does not play like Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a generational, once in a lifetime talent who probably had the greatest. I mean, I think probably. Shit, I mean, did that work or am I dead? No, you're, oh, you're, you're back. Right. Sorry, my bad. You're my, back, bad. Right? my bad. My bad. Continue. I didn't mean to derail that. I'm alive again. No, you're you're good. Uh, I think I think in KP, you can probably agree with me. Wouldn't you say yeah. Cam Newton in 2010 was the best college football player you've ever seen? Oh, here at Banjo College Football, we believe that Cam Newton invented college football in 2010. That's I mean, a simultaneous opinion. I got to I got to see Cam Newton when I when you know I grew up a Florida Gator fan and and I got to see Cam Newton play in the orange and blue. Um, he he was better than Tim Tebow. Um, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. he was better than Tim Tebow. Like I, like the fact Tim Tebow came back, I, I, it was, it was insane. If uh, Tebow wasn't Tebow, Cam Newton would have been, would have had him on sitting on the bench. Um, but I think Justin Fields has gone off reputation playing against inferior talent. Not he's, he's too inconsistent. And I just – and he's not that – he's not accurate under pressure. Like, people are saying, oh, Mac Jones um, under pressure is just not not all that. Um, you know, I was looking at – I was looking at a stat today, and I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So, it was actually Sam Ocho, um, who I think is a total clown, by the way, Um and basically, it was Matt, Mac Jones is a is a product of just talent around him, and just is not, um, you know, not a true quarterback. However, though, they showed uh, QBR under pressure, and it was it was Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. Justin Fields was, I believe, at fifty six point four. So, I I think at the end of the day, 
Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's if he lives up to even half of the hype that he has, he'll have a successful career. But I think Mac Jones is going to be the second most successful quarterback in this NFL draft. If he goes to San Francisco, New Orleans, or um, or Denver. Yeah, I do think Mac Jones is, I mean, obviously outside of Lawrence, he's the best plug-and-play guy um, out of all the quarterbacks in the draft. Simply because Field, I, I, I disagree with you on Fields. I think Fields is great, personally. Um, I – Honestly, had him as my QB two, probably still now, uh, with Mac as my QB three. Um, but I feel like you need certain other. Th- you need you need to almost build the offense around Fields to where that's not a lot of teams don't have that custom framework already in place. Whereas the nine, I mean, I think Mac to the Niners would be perfect. Uh, Niners have great receivers, um, good running backs, probably the, the best O line in the league. And one of the best defenses in the league. Like if Matt goes to San Francisco, they'll probably go like, well, like, um, God, I almost said ten and six, uh, like eleven and six next year, most likely. If Mac, they, is yeah, they just, could. If Mac, if Mac is just like his baseline average level, uh, which I don't know if they do that with Fields. Probably, probably do with Fields or Lance or any of the other guys. But, See, but uh, here's look. the thing: Shanahan does not like taking risks. Shanahan does not like taking chances. San- Shanahan likes his offense ran to a certain way. Mac Jones is his his ceiling is MVP Matt Ryan. Yeah, great. I mean, and, that, yeah, and, yeah, and that, <laughs> that'll perfect. win. That'll win you a Super Bowl. Hell, it should have won him a Super Bowl if, Matt, yeah, if uh, Shanahan knows how to run a football or if Garoppolo knows how to complete a deep bomb that Mac Jones can. So Justin Fields is yes, he, you can do a little more with him in the RPO game, but. I've seen Mac make the throws and the plays that he's had to make, and I've seen him stand in the pocket and take hits uh, from guys like Derek Brown. Um, oh man, uh, Tank Car. Like I, of uh, the, I'm blanking on the other uh, Auburn defensive lineman who went to uh, who went to Atlanta, but I've seen him take hits from guys much bigger than him, and especially in the Michigan game too. Like. And it's just funny to me that like people question his toughness. I've seen I saw Justin Fields get get leveled and just roll around on the dirt, while I see Mac Jones getting leveled by a linebacker twice the size and getting getting up. So I think I think Mac Jones is tougher. I think he's got a better arm overall. I think Justin Fields is definitely more athletic, but just because you're more athletic doesn't mean you're a better quarterback, especially in a Shanahan uh, offense. Now, if this was you know, Kansas City, Baltimore, uh, Arizona. We can talk, but no, not for this kind of offense. Yeah, and right. I'll agree with that. I, I'll agree with that. I think our, um, I think our fearless leader is um, trying to get back in here. So, Andrew, is that you? Andrew. You're in. Oh, God. Yeah, says he, uh, he's a speaker, but he probably hasn't figured it out yet. Technology this, confuses right. old people. This is probably a great time to, uh, you know, close out this episode. Uh, for all those that are listening, that will be listening to this later on once it's uploaded, thank you. We really appreciate you. To Brad, Cruz, Cody, um, Scott from earlier, uh, we thank you for listening to this. Obviously, we've got a lot of things to figure out here with locker room and you know, everything that comes along with it. But we appreciate you. Uh, 
Thank you. And we hope to see you here next week um, with more of you and your shining avatars here in the locker room app. So thanks for listening to the world's most ethical college football podcast. We will see you soon. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.